Greetings, free thinkers, freedom fighters, and those who just want something free. It's Mr. Palumbo, and welcome to the Professor Liberty Podcast. Today we're going to discuss the preamble to the Constitution. What? What's a preamble? A preamble is a statement that gives the purpose for writing something. Or in other words, it explains the point of the document. Or in other words, it's an introduction. Now, I suppose you could say most books have preambles, but we tend to call those prefaces. Preambles are more for law-related documents. So look, folks, listening to this podcast for two minutes, I've already taught you three things. Number one, the U.S. Constitution has a preamble. Number two, even though they both start at the beginning of a document, preambles are different than prefaces. And what was the third thing you've learned? You've learned that Mr. Palumbo has a miraculous podcasting voice. Okay, well, the last piece of information is prone to the listener's preference, but deep, deep down, we all know it's true. So let's talk about the history of the preamble, then we'll read the text, and then we'll discuss. According to Robert Longley at Thought.com, quote, also known as the enacting clause, unquote, The preamble did not become part of the Constitution until the final days of the Constitutional Convention, after Governor Morris, who has also was a signer of the Articles of Confederation, pressed for its conclusion. Before it was drafted, the preamble had not been proposed or discussed on the floor of the convention. You know, Morris was in charge of the Committee of Style. Kind of a cool name. I am on the Committee of Style. Check out my matching outfit. I'm so stylish. Ha ha. Ha ha. No, the Committee of Style is more in the sense of wording of a document, right? You want the words to mean something. You want them to flow. So think, you know, syntax and flow. That is more what is meant by style. You know, words mean something. I always say that. I'm a firm believer in the words you choose You need to choose your words very carefully because words mean things. That's why we often share definitions on this podcast. Anyway, we can assume that's why Mr. Morris pushed for a preamble. Since he was head of the Committee of Style, he probably saw that it would be best to explain the purposes and scopes and the reason for this new government charter known as the Constitution. Longley goes on to write, the first version of the preamble did not refer to we the people of the United States. Instead, it referred to the people of the individual states. The word people did not appear, and the phrase United States was followed by a listing of the states that had appeared on the map from north to south. However, the framers changed the final version when they realized that the Constitution could go into effect as soon as nine states gave their approval, whether any of the remaining states ratified it or not, unquote. So it's really not a surprise that the preamble came into the discussion late, and it's not really something that the committee members had to vote on or officially approve. It was an official introduction to the actual law-abiding principles that would come after it. It's a way to formalize a very important document. One author described the preamble this way, quote, 
It holds the words and the hopes and the dreams of the delegates to the convention. A justification for what they had done, unquote. Okay, so let's read the preamble and analyze it a bit closer. It reads, We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. So there you have it, folks. Short and sweet, right? It's just a preamble. Give you a little taste of what the intentions were of the founders writing this document. If you've ever seen the real Constitution on display in Washington, D.C., or if you've seen a replica, I actually have a replica on the wall in my classroom, the first three words, we the people, are noticeably larger than the other words. Most of us would pass by those words and think nothing of it. But notice how the Articles of Confederation, which established the rules for government before the Constitution, right, starts off this way. We, the undersigned delegates of the states affixed to our names, send greeting. Notice a difference? Now, I would say uh, they definitely didn't have a committee of style writing the Articles of Confederation because, boy, that read very strangely and very awkwardly. But no, what's the main difference here? Well, outside Mr. Morris and his clear uh, committee of style influence on the document, you can see that the articles begin with, we the delegates of a state, while the Constitution says, we the people. The opening frames of the Constitution is a radical departure from the Articles of Confederation. We, the people of the United States, defines the American nation as a single entity created by the people, not by the states. It also implies an appeal to the common man. Though the Constitution was written by an elite group, the Constitution was for every American. Lastly, the Constitution came about through the people, not God, not a king, not some mythological legend. The Constitution is, as Lincoln would say, by the people, for the people. All right, next it says, in order to form a more perfect union. This, ladies and gentlemen, is coming directly out of the ruins of the Articles of Confederation, which made governing a diverse group of states nearly impossible. And if I could be so bold to make the claim that this is probably the number one reason and purpose for the Constitution. How do we hold a diverse group of states together? And so they knew that the Constitution needed to be flexible, but also secure at the same time. Something that could deal with the changes in society, but also remain steadfast in certain principles. This is why it's often said that the states are laboratories for democracy, because the Constitution lays out a basic framework, and then states are allowed to, you know, be more aggressive or less aggressive 
you know, we got the red states and the blue states, right? And you as an economist, as a social scientist, as a political scientist, you can study the different states and see who, you know, who's doing it best, who's got a better society. Maybe some states have more laws, some states have less laws, right? The Constitution is the glue that holds us all together, but it also allows for the different states to do what they uh, seem is right for them. The next one is establish justice. Under the Articles, there was no independent judicial system which had jurisdiction over the entire country. States could do or refuse to do whatever they wanted. Individual liberties were at the whim of each state. Many of the framers believed that states had, quote, run amok under the Articles of Confederation, and they wanted to ensure a fair and equitable system was established. All right, so now we have ensure domestic tranquility. So going back to Mr. Longley's piece at Thought.com, he explains, quote, the Constitutional Convention was held shortly after Shays' Rebellion, a bloody uprising of farmers in Massachusetts against the state caused by the monetary debt crisis at the end of the Revolutionary War. In this phrase, the framers were responding to fears that the new government would be unable to keep peace within the nation's borders. Unquote. So we should point out that the Revolutionary War was still fresh in the minds of many Americans, and the principles of the Declaration were also fresh. You might remember in our Declaration of Independence podcast episode that it says in the Declaration, quote, Whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, so think life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, it is right for the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, unquote. All right, that's all great, and we all kind of love how that is put out and how it's said, but Jefferson goes on to say, that doesn't mean we just get to overthrow any government anytime they raise taxes, all right? But this is kind of where the people were. This is our foundation. This is the culture of America, how it was founded. People were taking this way too literal. Some thought that every time the government does something they don't agree with, they should revolt. And clearly that isn't going to bring stability to a nation, so the Constitution was designed to bring some stability and thus tranquility, right? Tranquility means peace. It means calm. It means quiet. Ah, oh, tranquility. It's kind of like the kids are gone and you can have some ice cream and watch your favorite movie, right? Ah, oh. or you're in the garden and the birds are chirping, right? That's tranquility. All right, the next one is provide for the common defense. Now, if we look at this historically, we could see why this one made it in. The United States was a young country, a very young country, not really very rich, right? Very starting from the beginning, very uh, in its infancy. And yet it was surrounded by colonies of larger, wealthier, and better organized European states. Second, as we've already discussed under the Articles, 
the 13 states had no obligation to finance any national army. So as we know from human nature, if you don't force me to contribute, especially financially, I'm probably not going to contribute. And guess what? Most states contributed very little to the national government, and there wasn't much that national government can do about it. And so part of the Constitution was to strengthen the central government, at least in the case where they could raise an army and finance an army for the defense of not one of the states, but all of the states. Next one, provide for the general welfare. I often cringe when I read or hear this part of the preamble, but it's mostly because many big government politicians try to point to this as proof that the Constitution allows for social programs. Eh, wrong. Please try again. Thank you for playing. As we'll see in a moment, the preamble has no authority of law behind it. But that doesn't stop big government tyrants for trying to figure out some way for justification for all the things they propose. USConstitution.net wrote about the general welfare this way. And since I can't say it any better, I thought I would just give them the credit. They write, quote, This and the next part of the preamble are the culmination of everything that came before it. The whole point of having tranquility, justice, and defense was to promote the general welfare, to allow every state and every citizen of those states to benefit from what the government could provide. And finally, the last part of the preamble is secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Again, this is outlining the entire point of the Constitution. It is meant to secure liberty, which means to protect liberty for them and those that come after them. Posterity means future generations. The Constitution isn't about government giving people stuff. It isn't about free health care. It isn't about who sits in the White House. It isn't about the Department of Education, Department of the Interior. It isn't about Medicare. It isn't about Social Security. It's about preserving the natural rights of men and women so they can live as free people with as little government interference as possible. And finally, it says, ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. To ordain means to officially decree something or pronounce something, which is kind of related to establish, right? So you're just officially pronouncing that this thing is created. So there you have it, folks, the preamble to the U.S. Constitution. It has no legal power, so don't let big government crazies try to expand their power. No, it's simply stating the purpose of the U.S. Constitution. It is there, however, for you to analyze the spirit of the Constitution. But if any professor or high school teacher or politician tries to convince you that the Constitution is about government establishing programs, they are lying to you. The entire premise of the Constitution is found in the basic functioning central government that has limited and specific powers. So let me read the preamble again as we end the podcast today. And try to memorize this. Homeschool kids, memorize this. It's not that long. Parents, memorize this. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, 
establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Here at Professor Liberty, we seek to educate, inspire, and restore. If you like this podcast, please go to Apple iTunes Podcast and give me a five-star rating. If you'd like to email me, the email is ProfessorLiberty1776 at gmail.com. If you'd like to see some of my lessons and teaching materials, please go to TeachersPayTeachers.com. Until next time, go throughout the land and proclaim... Liberty.